This is Pastoring Out Loud, a podcast for Bethlehem Baptist Church's South Campus in Lakeville, Minnesota. Are you interested in learning more about our church? Go to Bethlehem.Church forward slash location forward slash south dash campus. And making it in under the wire is Dave Zuliger, who just received his drink and sandwich from Jimmy John's. They came up as I hit record. I think I'm going to keep this take. What did you get from Jimmy John's, Dave? I got the country club with some chips and a Diet Coke. Did you get the uh, the Dijon mustard on that country club? I did. You did. Is that like is that like primo for you? Like, it's not a country club without Dijon. No, but I like it. Okay. I like it. Right. it, makes it Dijon guy. Okay, that's good. That's good. Um, so, Dave, uh, recently uh, I heard from somebody that um, they thought that our podcast was perhaps not as I think the word they used was vibrant as it could be. Uh, maybe exciting. I don't know. Not enough variety. Not conversational enough. They were probably listening to one of those episodes where I droned on for forever about some theological topic right. or something like that. Right. Um, got any guesses at who that might be, Dave? Well, you had mentioned it uh, in the in this past week. And then the last episode, uh, when we made that inside joke, you said that elder knows who he is. I immediately knew it had to be Peter Thorpe. It's true. Peter Thorpe. <laughs> Peter Thorpe, our resident uh, refiner, curator of, right. of all things uh, boring and whatnot. So, Peter, <laughs> Peter, I'm glad that you uh, give me such feedback. And I, th- I think we should be more vibrant, Dave. We should be. And Peter, Peter likes shoulds. Oh, that's true. He likes shoulds. So if we should be more vibrant, you can check this off now. I feel happy I just helped him. All right. All right. This is Peter. If you're listening to this podcast, we're attempting to be vibrant. So why don't you... Uh, Woo! Ra- wow. That was... I'm going to have to lower that one. Let's edit that out. All right, Dave. That was my random question. We're going to leave it be. Guys, judge us for vibrancy. We are talking today about uh, unity in the church in an election season. So what does it look like to be for a church to be unified in a contentious election season. I think we can just say right at the outset, unity never comes at the expense of truth. Amen. Truth is always what we're unified around. I think that's the, um, you know, you look back a hundred years at the fundamentalist modernist controversies in American, um, you know, different denominations, especially Protestant denominations. That was the rallying cry. There is no unity without truth and sometimes that uh that truth became like elevating third tier things right. to right. Uh, higher orders of importance in different ways but so when we say uh, i think at the outset we talk about unity in a contentious election season in the church we have to talk about like what we're unified around right so dave what are we unified around let's talk bigger than bethlehem what are all christians in america and the world over unified around. Well, one thing I'd want to say uh, before even talking about what we're unified around is just to, to, to say that we don't create this unity. Yeah. So one of my favorite texts in the Bible about the church is Ephesians 4, 3, where it's listing how we walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we've uh, been yeah. called. <laughs> Vibrant. And it says, be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit 
in the bond of peace. And so one of the one of the things that's striking to me is we don't create this. Yeah. But we're supposed to be eager to maintain it. Um, and so just to say that up front, I mean, we, we have unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace through Jesus Christ. I think if you went on in Ephesians 4, I mean, we could just, I could just read it. It says, there's one body, one Spirit, one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one yep. God and Father of all. So those are the things. Those are the things we're united in. And I think that as Christians can in this season go, man, those are those are world changing things. Those are the biggest things in the universe. And we have unity on all of those things. Then the upshot should not only be what are we united around, but I really, I really better be eager to maintain that unity. Yep. Because there's nothing up for grabs in this election season that is more important than those things. Yeah. Amen. Those things are the most foundational because those things that we hold dear and love will long, will last long past an election cycle or the total history of a nation or indeed the history of all nations. Amen. Yep. So, and to say at the same time, until we all attain to the unity of the faith. Yep. Right? Yep. To yep. the measure, the stature of the fullness of Christ. So there is still something to grow in. Amen. Uh, Amen. In real time, as we live our lives and yep. as churches go through their life cycles and everything else is we are headed in the direction of unity actually fully realized here on earth that we will actually fully realized have there uh, in the new heavens and new amen. earth. So Dave talk having, having like, yeah, amen. This is something that is a present reality. It's actual, it's in Christ. And what, what truths do we hold most dear to unify us with other Christians here in America, Christians the world over. Yeah, we uh, we primarily the the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ as the God Man. So you get into the the deity of Christ as yeah. well. That, that God came, uh, the Son of God came and lived the life we could never live, fulfilling the law. Died the death, took the curse on the tree that we deserved to be cursed with to die. And he rose again to conquer death. So that by faith, we are united with him and we have eternal life. Yeah. Amen. By faith. So we hold uh, the, the gospel. You just explained the gospel, the good yep. news about Jesus. We hold that to be the dearest aspect of our faith. Um, you know, the thing that's most important about Bethlehem is not our particular articulation of a mission statement or 14 priorities or or uh, 10 essentials. I mean, those essentials are essentials. It is this truth, this thing that we hold dear with all other Christians at all other times and all other places, mm -hmm. the gospel of Jesus. Amen. And there's some back and forth over time over all the, the meaning of uh, and the significance of the gospel. Um, so a, a, a penalty uh, that was due us for our sin was put on Christ, um, there's penal substitutionary atonement. We as Protestants especially think that is really important. Christians um, uh, agree with that, but also say, uh, hey, he was victorious over the grave and over Satan. Uh, he, was, he was the victor in a fight, and that's true too. Whatever um, particular significance we assign to it without downplaying the different ones, and again, we, we hold that the, the sacrifice of Christ 
is at the heart of the gospel here mm-hmm. at Bethlehem for sure. Mm-hmm. But whatever other significance we might assign to it, we hold that this is true. Christ really did die, really did rise, really is reigning right now and really will come again. Yep. And we yep. can stake our lives on that. Yep, that's so, right. Um, as far as at Bethlehem, are there, or yeah, I, I think we could dig into the weeds here for a while. We did a podcast on theological triage. We did. Uh, sometime in the summer. So yep. if you wanted to just listen more about um, first tier, what all Christians hold all places at all times, second tier, what it takes for us to agree on something and be unified for the sake of living in a healthy local church together, and the third tier, what we would say um, Christians can agree to disagree on and still be in the same church. Not saying those things aren't important, but they're, they can be. Important. Well, let's just talk about that for a second. What do you think about third tier, Dave? Like, what do you, what do you think by way of, and especially in a political, uh, politically charged season like uh, we're in right now, an election season, mm-hmm. what are things that you think Christians can agree to disagree on mm-hmm. and still be in close fellowship with each other in a local church? Yeah, I think uh, one of the categories that I think you've brought uh, to this podcast and even to like our staff and and uh, and Andy Nacelli and Jonathan Lehman have kind of developed this category too is just straight line and jagged line issues. Straight line meaning we can draw a straight line between a biblical teaching and a moral position. Jagged line being there's some principles here, but we've got to take a few steps to figure out exactly how we apply them. Right. Um, so, so... So we would just say things like, man, all all Christians ought to agree that uh, abortion is murder. All Christians uh, ought to agree that racism is evil, uh, that there's no place for it. And yet what we can uh, disagree on, uh, even within those issues that are so clearly outlined in the Bible, could be even the how. Right. So uh, abortion is is murder it's evil um does that mean we all need to address that in the same way in our personal lives or even that churches need to address it in the same way not necessarily um all racism is evil Uh, does that mean everyone has to address that in the same way or agree on the interpretation of every single event out there I don't think so, and I, th- I think that that we we should seek wisdom for the moment, seek the Lord's call in our lives, seek the Lord's call in us as a church. But then there's just got to be a lot of room for uh, grace. Like, man, we're, we're probably probably none of us are getting it perfect in our application, if we're honest. And uh, we want to give grace. And I would even say one area I've tried to grow in over the years is getting around people that actually think pretty differently than me about application especially or wisdom calls or uh, and just realizing man they're like a lot more reasonable than i would have assumed in my my little world of thinking so what would you say what are some of the things you'd say we can disagree on in light of this election season. I was just going after some that are oh, really no, obvious good. and that's contentious. Good. Yeah, I think that's fair. And the, the jagged line, straight line is is good. So I think straight line would almost be more like, let's not even jump into third tier. That's that's first tier type stuff, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So uh, like if you harbor hatred and partiality in your heart for somebody else because 
They are a different ethnicity than you, different social class than you. And that's James, James chapter two. Two, yeah. That is that like James words. That that's like church disciplinable offense. Like we we have a reason to question the validity of your profession of faith in Christ because of your your harbored hatred, um, or um, to to uh, talk about the other issue you named like abortion. Like um, and there might be a, a category here for. Um, you know, where somebody's uneducated, they disagree, but man, the scriptures by implication really strongly um, just talk about the unborn as actual people, not just potential people, mm-hmm. but actual people. And therefore, to say that their life is of no consequence or to say that there is freedom for others to take that life, that's, that's murder. It is. Full stop. It's murder. And so for mm-hmm. somebody to come and say, it's not murder, like we're free to do this, or to say, even if it is murder, there are greater values out there than than the life of the unborn and other things like that. Well, that's that's not true. That is that leads me to say, let's we're gonna call into question just the profession of your faith, and that's a church disciplinable mm-hmm. offense, actually. We're going to so, call you to repentance. Yeah, we're going to call you to repentance. We're not, I mean, we're not church discipline, right to discipline. Is, yeah, discipline is not just like the act of <laughs> yeah. excommunication. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And even on the other side of excommunication, yeah. it's always like opening up pathways of grace, like come back, come back, mm-hmm. come back to Christ. You don't think you're apart from Christ while you harbor racism in your heart. I think you're wrong. Mm-hmm. I think you're wrong. Christ um, demands that you, and and uh, you should. Mm-hmm absolutely repent of that mm-hmm. and turn to him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and so there are straight line issues that are like that all over the place. Yep. Um, you know, we're just naming two, but let's talk about, you know, the, um, you know, jagged line issues. Policies would be like how we might talk about this in terms of, um, you know, an election year and other things like that, that um, different politicians would advocate for different policies for solving particular issues. I mean, we can name a whole host of them. You and I are not political analysts, so we're not going to jump into that into the, you know, but, uh, you know, everything from like how, how ought we think about immigration in the United States? Um, how ought we think about the nature of the criminal justice system and whether it's healthy or unhealthy in various ways? Mm-hmm. Um, how ought we think all the way down to like, um, you know, um, term limits for yeah. elected officials, yep. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Those those are jagged. A lot of those are jagged line issues. Now, um, God's heart for immigrants, the poor, those that are sojourners outside Israel, and maybe what that by extension means for America, mm-hmm. right? That's not necessarily a one-to-one correlation. Or at least the church. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. <laughs> that's is a different, yeah, probably, that's a different. probably quite a bit more for the church and what the church ought to think about the poor, the marginalized, the oppressed. Um, well, that's just right in the scriptures. We ought to wrestle with that as the people of God for sure, on a one, a more one-to-one correlation. But as far as what that means for America, that, that's a little bit removed. That's jagged. How ought we think and talk about policy in those areas? There may be some policies that are fully outside the bounds of what Christians can or should um, hold to, but just in of themselves arguing about those policies is not outside the bounds. Right. So I think there's a lot of freedom to argue from biblical principles for different things in God's world as far as how it might apply to our current election season. 
Yeah. So. Dave, if we're to view ourselves as an embassy, South Campus is an embassy of God's kingdom here. We've got other embassies uh, all around us, not necessarily the same denomination, but they love the same gospel. Um, then, uh, you know, we've, we've talked about this before on the podcast. Um, we're, if we're then ambassadors of another kingdom to this kingdom, mm-hmm. what, does that, what does that mean for our involvement in politics here in America? How ought we think, if, we're, if I'm an ambassador, if you're an ambassador, um, and there's no uh, square inch of creation over which Christ does not say mine, if there's not uh, private life and public life, but there's just life mm-hmm. in God's world, there's no, mm-hmm. no division between those two. What does that mean for how we should think about politics? Maybe just talk about the straight line issues, right? So the clearest issues, like take abortion or take take uh, uh, har- harboring hatred in one's heart or through one's actions for other ethnicities. But how, how can we be ambassadors? Yeah, being ambassadors would mean that we're always thinking of ourselves primarily as citizens of heaven first. And I would argue uh, that that doesn't, like you said, create some kind of uh, weird uh, stepping away from everything, but that it would actually call us to be the the best citizens of this place that we're in. And what I mean by that is that we, we believe our God is good and perfect, and his will is good and perfect. And on these straight line issues, what we're saying is, man, he's revealed it really clearly here. And so we can be really confident that to obey him here would be good for the world. And so, uh, you know, I, I want to, on something like abortion, I want to, you know, the how, the how again could be different, but as a Christian, a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, I want to, as much as I can, uh, call people, uh, to, to repent. Um, if the, if they think that this is an okay thing, you know, I, I want to say, it's not. They're made in the image of God. We all know the value of life. Um, and 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 as a Christian, uh, I wanna I wanna come alongside those maybe who have who have done it, um, have had an abortion, been a part of an abortion, and say, hey, th- there's more grace here for you. So I want to be a part of um, as I'm engaging with politics, not only even think just policy wise, but think, man, how do we as the church, as a citizen of heaven, come alongside um, to say, yeah, that's wrong. And then also say, hey, there's grace. Right, right. I mean, it's fundamentally for all, all these things, or just some of the straight line issues that we've mentioned, um, a sanctity of life question, right? Mm-hmm. So if... Um, image of God. Yeah, image of God. So yep. God's... Yep. I mean, God did not create or ordain uh, that statues be made of him. In fact, no graven image, unlike the nations around them, uh, ought be made. That's the second, second commandment. Why? Because God made all the images. Mm-hmm. Like they're mm-hmm. the people mm-hmm. everywhere in the ancient Near East mm-hmm. and here today too. So if I um, look at the image of God in somebody who is not yet born, or I look at the image of God in somebody who's not in the same ethnicity of me, mm-hmm. and I say less value, right? Right. Oh, that's just it's just grievous. And we, as ambassadors of another kingdom, mm-hmm. um, where God is here mm-hmm. on this earth. Mm-hmm. where his images are, mm-hmm. ought advocate mm-hmm. for that mm-hmm. and ought be ambassadors for that. So if we're mm-hmm. in circles where um, abortion is normalized or we're in circles where 
um, the marginalized are further marginalized uh, in any way, mm -hmm. any by any metric. Um, we ought be those that are ambassadors and make noise mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. on behalf of them. You know, be mm -hmm. a be a a voice for those that don't have a voice. Well, maybe one implication of that then would be too is is we we you know I, I don't have any problem with Christians saying hey I mainly I mainly align with this platform or that platform um but what it what it might speak to us is uh whatever platform you align with more uh be willing to speak into that platform in the places where maybe they're out of step with the kingdom of God so there's a there's no party uh or nor or person who would say Man, that's they're just like Jesus, or they're just lining up perfectly with everything I see in the Word of God. And we want to, as ambassadors, not only call the things that are like, man, it's so obvious that 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 the other side does that, uh, but also be willing in our own uh, circles to say, man, uh, let let me work for change here as yeah. well. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Amen. So, what about after November? Third, so after November third, um, we talked last time about God's providence. Um, you know, God is is uh, raising up and tearing down kingdoms all the time. So He is, um, and we can't discern all the reasons why He does that. Ours is to be faithful in this moment um, in all the different ways that God grants us. Well, how do we come together after an election that's been particularly contentious? Is there unity to be had on the back end of a, a tough election? Yeah, we just got to be eager to maintain it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, I think, I think, and I think there's unity to be had, um, not only in being able to come together and say, "Man, our King is still on the throne; uh, He's still reigning; we still have salvation. Nothing ultimately is up for grabs." There's also, I think, unity to be had just in the command of, you know, we're called to pray for our leaders. We're called to yeah. pray for their wisdom the the lord uh can turn a king's heart like a stream yeah, so yeah. not only is there unity in the gospel and those big things we named earlier but i think that we should all be able to rally around and let's let's give ourselves to prayer for these these people not just not just the president but there's going to be a bunch of people elected these people who are now in office that the righteousness of god would be worked through them either by him changing their heart, by them practicing their already held beliefs, or just by them despite themselves because God just works in them. Uh, yeah, providentially. Providentially. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so November 4th, the night after the election, um, we're going to have a gathering at South Campus like we normally would on Wednesday, but we're going to go ahead and devote that time for uh, basically everybody sixth grade and up, so adults and then youth as well, just gathering and praying. Mm -hmm. and seeking the Lord's face mm -hmm. together as a church. So anything else you'd say about unity in an election season, Dave? Uh, I've said the phrase a few times, but maybe just uh, seek seek the Lord yourself on if your heart in this season really is eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. So it's a principle there, but I'll just, I mean, and I'm not, I'm not saying that to you apart from me it's something that i've had to stop yeah. and ask the lord several times myself do i do i do i want to maintain this unity or yeah. am i eager right now to divide yep yep amen unity surrounding the truth and then freedom 
in some of the applications thereof of how we should live out right. our, our Christian faith. Right. So, Dave, thanks for joining me. 